at a passage of Scripture that is pretty familiar to most of you, I would assume. Uh, Before I get there, I do want to say uh, two things by way of announcement. So we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 4. So where is Proverbs? If you open the middle of your Bible at Psalms and you find Psalms, you want to turn right just a little bit. It's right the next book, (coughs) Proverbs. And uh, so by way of announcement, uh, first of all, today, right after church, uh, there will be uh, a lunch. We want to, we want to have a fellowship time, and so there's uh, going to be some folks out there cooking and grilling burgers for us and having a, just a, a short uh, time of fellowship. I hope that you'll be able to stick around. <clears throat> and uh, by the way, it's no charge to you. We just want to have a good time together, and we want to thank the Lord for His goodness. Second announcement is: if you are into camping at all and you would like to go, we're going to have a churchwide campout in August at Cassini Family Ranch which is north of San Francisco, uh, up in the Bodega Bay area. It's actually on, uh, I can't remember the river that it's on there, but um, I'll give you some more details and some uh, information in the following weeks. But that will be, I think it's the second week or the third week in August. I'll clarify that this next week. But if you're into camping, whether it's tent camping or you have an RV, um, we want to organize that and let some people go up there. And I think we'll have a good time. And so we'll look forward to that as well. And so uh, I do want to just, again, praise the Lord for how good he is and so grateful. I uh, would like to ask you to pray. My wife and daughter, I dropped them off. So we got home wet Friday morning and uh, Friday, yeah, about lunchtime. And uh, we helped to get the fountains off to their next des- destination. And then my wife and daughter did a whole bunch of whirlwind laundry. Do you, does anybody know what I mean by whirlwind laundry? You have to go somewhere really quick. So you have to do laundry really fast. And so they washed all their clothes, repacked their suitcases, and I dropped them off at the airport yesterday. They are in Fort Collins, Colorado this morning watching my grandchildren while my daughter and son-in-law drive all the way to Kansas for their teen camp. And uh, so my wife has uh, done pastor's wife and counselor duty this last week, and now she's doing, she's doing Mimi duty this week. And so she gets to be with my very lovely and demanding grand, uh, wonderful grandchildren. And uh, so just pray for that. And then uh, I, my son and I will fly out next Sunday afternoon to meet her and go all the way to Tulsa uh, to, uh, to try to minister to the Hollies and uh, to try to be a blessing to them, preaching the graveside and helping with the service in any way that we can. And uh, so we would just appreciate your prayers during this time, which means since mom's home or not home, two things have happened. I didn't shave as some of you may not have noticed. And he said, well, why haven't you done it before? Because she hates it, that's why. And uh, so when mom's away, pastor's gonna play around with his facial hair a little bit and see what happens. And uh, which also means, secondly, that my son and I have officially survived dinner by ourselves and we didn't go out to Taco Bell. Uh, I actually, uh, yesterday my wife left this recipe for some special spread that she has for some sandwiches. and. I said, oh, well, that's a pretty easy, uh, you know, recipe to follow. And she said, well, why don't you make it while I'm here? And I said, well, I, it's easy. It's like a tablespoon of this, a teaspoon of that. It's this much butter. It's this much whatever. I can. I want you to make it while I'm here. And I was like, okay. So I got all this stuff out and I made it. feel pretty good about it. feel pretty good about it. I did it. Another something I did without, well, I mean, I was supervised, okay? So I put it into the fridge and, and so she had a list. Okay, here's all the dinners that you can have while you're gone. And if you decide to, there's some coupons for, has anybody ever heard of KFC? That's one of my favorite places to go on all the planet. 
I think God on the ninth day created KFC. So what did he do on the eighth day? The Dallas Cowboys, but that's another story. Uh, so uh, KFC, we've got some Subway coupons waiting in the reserves in case I have a meltdown while I'm trying to make spaghetti or something like that. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm excited. It's like a Boy Scout trip at my own house. I get to see if heap big caveman can cook beast and still survive. And uh, so we're going to give it a try. Anyway, I made, uh, you, you know, it's not easy. Cooking's not easy. I made macaroni and cheese last night. Oh, gosh. What are you talking about? I made two boxes of that stuff last night. All right. I even browned the hamburger and seasoned it by scratch. Oh, wow. See, now you're being condescending. I expected you guys to give me an applause, but you guys are fuddy-duddies today. I uh, I did it. We survived. And uh, this morning, I didn't have breakfast. My son had a bowl of cereal on his own, found everything. Actually, I got the box down, so that was another. I'm not trying to break my arm patting myself on the back, I want you to know. But uh, there there was a time in my life where if my wife left, I was in depression mode because I couldn't, I didn't think I could do even that. Now I know where the um, whisk is. I know what a whisk is. I know where the whisk is. Um, I, I have for years now known what a spatula is. Aren't you proud of me? I know what a spatula is. Um, I know the mixing bowls. I know how to boil water. Who knew? I know where the measuring cups are now. I mean, I'm like advanced. I'm going to have, by the time my wife comes back, I'm going to have like a PhD in home ec. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be amazing. And uh, so we're, we're adventurous and we're, you know, my son's not going to lack. Hopefully, if he does, we have a box of nerds or something like that that he can snack on with candy or whatever. But uh, anyway, looking forward to my wife coming home or, or being back together. And, uh, and we'll look forward to that as a church family as well. Proverbs chapter 4. Would you do me a favor? Could we stand together for the reading of God's word? The passage of scripture here that we're going to read today is going to go along in our series, Stewarding Life by Faith. And today we're going to talk about stewarding a heart for God. Many of us know what it means to trust Christ as Savior. Some may be here and don't know that. You don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven. I'm not going to address you today. I'm speaking to Christians. I'm speaking to those who have come to the end of themselves. They realize that, look, it's the blood of Christ and Jesus or it's not salvation. And you've trusted Christ with your Savior. You've been given all spiritual blessings in every place. This message is for you. This message is to remind you what it was like when you had a heart for God. The Bible says that David, his heart was after the heart of God. What does that mean? That means that you were sensitive to the Lord's will. You're sensitive to the Spirit of God. You want to obey the Word of God. You don't want to live in sin. You want God to clarify what really is truth. What is reality? What's it supposed to look like? Uh, You want to have a heart that's sensitive and compassionate. You don't want to look at people critically and angry. You want to look at people saying, man, they're they're acting that way because they're lost. They're they're acting that way because they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't have hope of heaven. Their, Their marriages are falling apart. Their families are dysfunctional because they don't have the peace of God there. Uh, and, 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 and so when we, when we have a heart for God, we've been given that heart when we got saved, and it's our job to steward that heart. We're supposed to manage what comes in and what comes out, and these verses help us to understand that. And I want to preach about that just for a little while this morning with God's help. And so I want you to follow along as we read Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 20. 
It says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward or perverse mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Heavenly Father, I come before you now again, and I ask for your help. I surrender myself to you. And I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me. In fact, Lord, I just would ask that you would help me to get out of your way. And I pray that as we open your word, as we listen to your spirit, as you speak, God, that you would do a work in us. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to leave here today with a heart after your heart, a heart for God. And I pray that you would help us this week to steward that heart and to protect it with all diligence. Because, God, everything that comes in is what's going to come out. And I pray that today you'd be pleased to speak to us, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It's said that much like a thermostat, your heart is the master control of your life, which means a wrong heart always produces a wrong life. Your physical heart is a muscle that pumps blood throughout your entire body. In other words, it puts into circulation what is already there. The blood, your blood, carries necessary nutrients and oxygen that are vital for life. In fact, they tell me that 30% of all deaths, it's the number one cause of death in all the world, is some form of cardiovascular disease. It is the number one killer in the world. A bad heart equals a bad life. A wrong heart is, the, is going to result or produces a wrong life. But I will tell you that spiritually speaking... That when a believer decides to walk in the way of the world, when a Christian decides to backslide, backslide, it is not 30% of the time. It is 100% of the time that it is caused by a problem in the heart. In the last several months, we've learned that the God of the Bible is a good God and a gracious Savior. We've learned that when we come to Him through the Lord Jesus Christ, when we're born again, that there's no delay that we immediately are blessed, according to Ephesians chapter 1, with all spiritual blessings. This, of course, means that we don't have to wait for them. The moment we receive the Lord Jesus, we receive them all. We get all of His grace. At that moment, we have all of His mercy for our sin. We immediately have His complete forgiveness. We immediately have His presence living inside of us, and He accompanies us from that moment on and forever. We immediately have been granted access to the throne of Almighty God by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have full, His full attention and His mind toward us so that everything that we need in order that we may navigate this life is, uh, to live and to live with a sacred purpose is given to us by and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as wonderful as all of that is, we also know from Scripture what that means. It means that you and I, as children of God, through salvation, are stewards of it all. 
We're stewards of our access. We're stewards of his grace. We're stewards of his mercy. We're stewards of his word. We're stewards of all of those blessings. Because whatever God gives us, according to the Bible, is to be used for his glory, for his will, and for his purpose, not ours. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. Ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And when a person is saved by grace, the Bible tells us that God gives them a new heart. And I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh. And I will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. Isn't it interesting that when God does a transplant, he doesn't say that I'm taking a heart of flesh and replacing it with a different kind. He actually describes it as a heart of stone, a hard heart, a heart that's impenetrable. And he gives them one that's pliable, a heart of flesh. He gives them a heart that can feel stony uh, rocks don't feel anything. They're hard. And when our hearts are hard, we don't feel anything. God says, what I'm going to give you is one that feels and senses. I'm going to I'm going to give you a heart that senses my leading and that senses other people's needs. Here in our text, God then draws our attention to the fact that our heart is the seat of all that happens in our life. And he reminds us that whatever goes into our heart inevitably is what comes out of our heart. Look at verse 23, if you will, with me. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Notice, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep my heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of my heart, is all of my life. Every issue, every decision, every go, every stop, every high, every low, everything that I say, everything that I do, everything that I experience is a result of my heart. All that happens in our life and whatever goes into our heart will come out. And for that reason, we've got to be diligent as a steward. The Bible word, keep thy heart, means that we're supposed to protect it. But it also, in the indica- uh, indicated in the verses above that, says that we're supposed to open it. We're supposed to allow for the deposit. So for the next few moments, I'd like you to take your outline with me. And with God's help, I want us to consider three simple truths from our passage that will help us to not only watch what, uh, what goes into our hearts, but to manage also what comes out of our lives. Number one, we need to understand that there is an expectation of my heart. I, I, I wrote this outline so that you could read it when you read it, that you would understand it's personal, the expectation of my heart. Now, this is the key. This is key because every day we have to decide what or who is going to influence or uh, influence us or, in other words, what is going to come in to our heart. The Bible says in verse 20, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from, excuse me, thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. If these last two years have taught Christians anything, it is this. You have to be careful what you listen to. You have to be careful what you believe. And if you listen to anything long enough, you'll start to believe it. And every action of our lives is a direct result of what we see, of what we hear, 
and what we allow and believe in our hearts. For instance, if a person hears that they are randomly evolved animals, guess what? They're going to act like animals. If they are told over and over and over and over and over again the lies that they are some byproduct, some accident of primordial soup. And for billions of years, we don't see any, by the way, any trace of that. But all of a sudden, we're supposed to believe in some way that we're just a higher form of animal. Guess what? We're going to act like animals. We don't have to have a conscience. You tell a person that babies are not alive until they exit the womb enough times, they'll believe that abortion is not murder. They'll believe that babies aren't real people. If you tell a person there is no God loud enough and long enough, people will begin to behave like there is no God, there is no judgment, and there's no hell. God tells us what we need most to have in our hearts. He tells us what his expectation is for what enters in our hearts. First of all, I want you to notice what this expectation tells us that our hearts, letter A, is a place for truth. It's a place for truth. The Bible says, my son, attend to my words and climb thine ears to my sayings. It says, keep them, verse 21, in the midst of thy heart. Psalm 19 and verse 7, speaking of the word of God, thy law, the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple the statutes of the lord are right rejoicing listen the heart the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes what am i saying i'm saying that without truth we are living a lie and we know where all lies come from the devil john eight forty four. year of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do listen jesus the way the truth and the life said this about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. Even if the devil wanted to tell the truth, he can't. He's a liar and the father of all lies. Now, that means that if we're not putting the truth of God's word into our lives, then the truth of God's word is not going to come out. That means that we're walking away from God. We've decided that what the world says and what people say in philosophy and psychology and everything that every part of man's opinion about man's life and the way that man should go is more important than what God says. And we've decided to push God away or like the Bible says, turn our backs. The Bible talks about it in Isaiah 59 in transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt conceiving and uttering from the heart listen words of falsehood and judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off listen for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter why it can't rise in the street it can't walk in the street because it's not in the heart god says here's my expectation if you're going to manage your heart and you're going to manage your life out of your heart you got to have my truth there. That's where it belongs. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It's a place for truth. Let it be. It's a place for wisdom. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Can I say this today? We are in need of the wisdom of God because without it, we act like a fool. Without the wisdom of God, we're fools. Listen, Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. 
That's what the Bible says. Psalm 107, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. And fools hate knowledge. Again, thy word, the truth, the wisdom of God have I heard in my heart. Why? To prevent me from sinning. Why? Because out of my heart is every issue of my life. Everything that you see in society happening, whether it's through a Christian life or through a non-Christian life or an atheist or a scientist life or an evolutionist, I'm telling you what you're seeing outside is because of what lies inside. The heart, the expectation of God is let me put my truth there. Believe it. Let me put my wisdom there. Follow it. Why? Let her see because our heart naturally has a problem with both truth and wisdom. Our heart, born naturally, has a problem with the truth and with the wisdom of God. Jeremiah seventeen nine: the heart is deceitful above all things, and the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jesus said, I, the Lord, search the heart. I am the one that tries the reins or the controls of your life, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Wait a minute. The fruit of his doings. Where does the doings come out of the heart? Naturally, we like to invent our own version of the truth so that we can be our own guide in this life. But God says that kind of living only ends one way bad. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. And God says, I know the end of it. The end thereof is death. So God tells us what the expectation is. Secondly, that means that we need to examine the contents of our heart. I, you, need to examine the contents of my heart. Whatever the heart loves, the ears will hear and the eyes will see. When our children were young, no matter where we were driving, they could always find the ice cream shop. didn't matter. They could always find the, the toy store. They always saw what they loved. They always saw what they were looking for. By the way, I've got to confess that I always managed to find the sporting goods stores. <laughs> I always find the Del Tacos. I don't know if you guys know what a Del Taco is. The Southern California icon, apparently nobody cares about in the Bay Area. But I will tell you that wherever I go, I can see from my peripheral at 80 miles an hour, Del Taco. I know. Why? Because I always love Del Taco. Who doesn't love a double Del with cheese? Who doesn't love a combination burrito? Obviously none of you because you've never had Del Taco. My kids used to make fun of me. Dad, Del Taco is gross. And I was like, like Taco Bell's any better? Give me a break. I'd rather have Del Taco than Chipotle. Okay? I, I, if you put In-N-Out and Del Taco across the street from each other, I'm going to debate for a little while. I'm going to be like, mm, mm, I'm going to go back and forth. Why? Because I love it. And what we love, we're here going to hear. What we love, we're going to see. So we have to be careful, don't we? We've got to be careful. As to what we're drawn to because our hearts are a wellspring to what will come out. Someone said if we pollute the wellspring, the infection is going to spread. Before long, the hidden appetites will become open sins and public shame. Notice what the Bible says. Keep thy heart, verse 23, with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Look at verse 24. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Why? Because your hearing affects what you have in your heart. What you listen to. The voices that you allow. And look what it says 
in verse 25, look, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. What does that mean? Whatever we see affects our heart. The two gates into that wellspring where truth is supposed to reside, where wisdom is supposed to dictate the issues of my life. The only two gates are my eye gate and my ear gate. And what I open those gates to is what's going to allow to come into my heart and affect my heart out of it. What? My heart are the issues of my life. Every decision that I make, every action that I take, every place that I'm going to be has a seed from my heart. So God warns us about the kind of hearts to avoid. I'm going to give them to you quickly. Letter A, he says in Psalm 12, you better avoid a double heart, a double heart. Many of you could probably already uh, already d- guess what this is. This is a heart that is dual allegiance. Uh, one that desires the flesh on an occasion and the spirit only on special occasions. By the way, this is a dangerous condition. Because Jesus said no man can serve two masters. You're trying to do it. You're trying to get away with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy the spirit of God and the truth and his wisdom when I go to church. But you know what? As far as I'm concerned, like most who are in dead religions doesn't matter if i live like the devil between monday and saturday why because of a double heart god says not only can you not do that but the person who prays from that standpoint will never have their prayers heard that's james chapter one the second heart that he warns us about is the hard heart the bible says happy is the man that feareth always but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief now what causes a hard heart unbelief feeding on doubt, feeding on criticism, feeding on anything that's going to make me doubt God. The third heart's a proud heart, Proverbs 21.4. God hates pride, by the way, in case you don't know that. If you haven't figured that out, he calls it one of seven abominations. Pride, 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 pride. He hates pride. In fact, the Bible guarantees this. Pride goeth before destruction. By the way, when and how often? Always. Pride precedes destruction and a haughty spirit, a great fall. Remember Saul? Remember King Saul? We studied his life for a long time. How God plucked the littlest and the most naive out of Benjamin. And because they wanted a king, they put him up and said, fine, I'm going to give you one. I'm choosing Saul. And when Saul got lifted up, when Saul decided that he was above God, when Saul decided, I don't need to be humble anymore, I choose pride, God says there's coming a fall. Samuel came to him and said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord, Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And because of what you've done, you will no longer be king. God's chosen another one. What happened to Saul? He fell. What happened to David? He fell. You can go through lot and by lot and by lot and jot and tittle and scriptural and you'll find that the falls always come from pride. Jehoshaphat was a great king of God and he was blessed of God. And because he didn't steward his heart, he aligned himself with Ahab and he died miserably. You can go back and look through the kings and the greatest of kings. If they got lifted up, even though they were warned by God, God says pride always falls and brings destruction always. Another heart to avoid in letter D is an unbelieving heart. Hebrews 3, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. 
in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily, what it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitful of sin. That's what sin does. I'm going to stay in sin because of me. I love my sin. I don't want to let go of my sin. And God says, don't do that. You're letting sin come into your life. And the result of that is hardness. You can't sense me. You can't feel me. You won't let me guide you. You can't see what I'm doing. But I love my sin. And God says, look, if that happens long enough, you're not going to sense me anymore. It's going to grow hard. And I only have one way to deal with hardness. And that is to break you. Some of you may already know what that feels like. You know what it's like to run from God and live in sin. And your heart is so hard, it's not sensible anymore. God's just going to let you. By the way, God's not going to fight with you. He's going to let you have your way. He does that for everybody. He's not a tyrant. He's a loving savior. He's a lamb. He's not going to fight with you. But he will chasten you because of the same reason that he died for you out of love. He warns us about an unbelieving heart. Letter E, he warns us about an unclean heart. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The fact of the matter is that God sees the heart of all of us. If we're going to have a heart for God, or guard our heart and steward our heart for God, we must ask him to help us see what he already sees so we can make it right. Listen, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. You know the beauty of God is that if we ask anything according to his will, we have this confidence that he heareth us and will answer our prayers. 1 John 5, verse 14. Let me ask you a question. Is it the will of God that your heart be clean? Yes or no? I'll say it again. It's not a trick question. Is it the will of God that your heart be clean? Yes or no? Okay. If it's not clean... And you can't see to the bottom of it. Is it the will of God? If it's the will of God for your heart to be clean. If you ask him to show you. Do you think he will? Why? (laughs) For the same reason that he died for you. Because he is a loving and a good God. And he took your stony heart out when you got saved. And he put one of flesh in there. One that he could mold one that he could touch, one that could sense his presence, one that he could deposit truth in. And he says, that's my goal again. I want you to have that heart. The heart that I gave you today that you got saved. The heart that cares more about me than any other person on the planet, even yourself. We see the expectation of my heart. We see we need to be careful to examine the contents. Let me give you number three. These verses teach us then that we need to evaluate all the ways of our life. Evaluate. Okay. Let's go backwards then. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Follow me, verse 24. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Look at verse 26. Ponder. Circle, underline, highlight that word. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. 
turn not to the right hand or to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. If out of my life is a direct result of what's deposited in my heart. And I still may be in conflict with actually what rests within my heart. What's real easy? All you have to do is look at your life. Because according to this verse, whatever you see in your life is a reflection of your heart. So even if I have to ask God and I'm still deceiving myself as to what he's telling me is wrong in my life, all I have to do is look at my life. Well, that's not right according to God's word. Well, those words aren't right according to God's words. That lust and desire is not right according to God's word. That action's not right. Wow. I can kind of see it. My heart has to be kept because of what comes out. And if I see my life is not living for God, I have to come to the conclusion that I don't have a heart for God. And there's reasons. I've allowed myself, I've allowed myself to have an unclean heart. I'm acting out of unbelief. I have an unbelieving heart. I, I have a hard heart. I have a double heart. I, I, I'm a double-minded man and I'm unstable in all my ways. And now I see that. Matthew Henry said, put the word of God in one scale and what thou hast done or are about to do in the other and see how they agree. Put the word of God. This is my life before God. This is everything that God wants to deposit in my heart because he wants me to have a specific life. And this is the life that I see me living. And I have to ponder. I need to consider. I need to be critical and judge what is out of my life. Do they match? Are they equal? This is what God says. This is what's coming out. Hey, I'm living for God. Why? Because what's in my heart is what's coming out of my heart. The fact of the matter is to allow sin into the heart is to pollute the entire life. Solomon also warns us then to guard our lips because they can get us into sin. The heart controls the tongue, you see. So a guarded heart should result in guarded lips. A guarded heart should result in a guided path. And a guarded heart will be the result of protected eyes. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Ponder the path of thy feet. The Bible says, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. I'll tell you, the Bible says it this way in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where I'm supposed to be looking, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before and pressing toward that mark, the cross for the prize. How many would say this morning, pastor, don't lift your hand. Don't say it out loud. You may say, Pastor, I want to have a heart for God. Man, I hope every one of you do. I want to have a heart for God. If you want to have a heart for God, you must be willing to allow God to help you look into your heart and then mold it. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And, listen, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you want to have a heart for God, you've got to allow God. The preacher this last week would say to the kids, I want you to give God permission. 
Lord, I want you, I allow you, will you please speak to me through your word? Someone said our lives will be regular or irregular, comfortable or uncomfortable, according as our hearts are kept or neglected. We do so either diligently or not diligently, and you know this. Why are some Christians, when they get initially saved, so loving God, so dedicated to God, so committed to God, so overwhelmingly grateful to God for all that he's done, and then a few years later, they're like, oh, yeah, I can miss the church. Oh, yeah, I miss my devotions. Oh, yeah, it's not that big of a deal if we dabble over here or do this over here. My life is really not that big of a thing because everybody kind of knows I'm a Christian. And we do all that kind of stuff. Why? Because our hearts have not been guarded. We used to be diligent. We used to be very careful. We used to be very, very humble. You see, to stewards, to steward our heart for God means that we must protect our hearts at all costs with all diligence. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence. So let me give you three things, then we're done. Three ways. Three ways to evaluate all of the ways of your life. Letter A, the Bible encourages us to be considerate of all your paths. That word ponder means to judge harshly, considerate. As much as I want my children to make wise decisions in their life, if they don't put wisdom in, wise choices don't come out. Do you get that? Falling is a bad deal. And if we're not careful, we'll fall. We were on our vacation several weeks ago, and, <clears throat> and um, my son, Braden, who's been to this particular place where we were at and ridden this hill several times, uh, was getting ready to ride his bike off of the same hill, and you go down and you hit this little jump, and then you hit the sand, and it's all clean and green. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's nice and cushy. If you bite it, it's not that big of a deal. Well, Austin happened to meet us, Austin and Hannah, with our grandson Chandler, met us in, in, uh, in uh, South Lake Tahoe, and they were at this particular location with us, and, and uh, uh, Braden said, hey, Dad, can me and Austin go ride our bikes up the hill and do the jump? And I was like, sure. He's done it before. He's done it a hundred times before. Well, Austin got over there and had this great idea. Let me film you. I'm going to take a video of you. Instead of just going down, Jesse, instead of going down the way that you know to go and hit that jump that you've done, I want you to come down the steep side. And, and, and take this bigger jump right here, and I'm going to film you doing it. So Braden, in his wisdom, said, no, I'm not doing it. No. Braden said, okay. So couldn't even ride up there. So like, ah, I pushed his bike up there, and he got up there, and he realized, well, this is pretty high. Well, that looks, that looks a little snarky down there. I don't know about all that. Austin's coaxing him. Come on, dude, you could do it. Man up, put your big boy britches on. Let's do this. All this, you know, all the banter that, 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 that siblings do who really want you to f- succeed, fail. Anyway, come on. So Braden's, you know, all that courage that he musters down there. He gets it all up. I have the video. I'm not going to show it to you. It's awful. Braden goes, oh, starts going down there. He hits the jump. When he hits the jump, he immediately tilts to the side. Now, if any of you have ever ridden a bike off of a jump, off of a jump that's not a good move. When you jump, you should stay balanced. You should stay off the bike, land on the pedals so that you can hit and cushion, and then you stop the bike. He went, whoop, went just like this and landed on top of his handlebars and bike and slapped the ground, the hard ground with his face. Boom, he landed. My, my son, Austin, was like, dude, are you, he's laughing, are you okay? Brayden gets up. 
It's like a T-Rex was in the campground. Dude had, Jesse had handlebar bruises across his chest. He had pedal bruises and fork bruises all on his shins and legs. And he came slipping back to the camp spot like this. I'm, I don't know what's gone on at all. Zero. I'm up at the camp store getting something. I turn around, my wife's chugging at me. Go help Braden Austin did something and he fell on his bike. So I'm walking over there. And the whole time I'm walking over, Austin, Austin's over there at the picnic table and he's, you know, dabbing blood and giving stuff. And he's like, dad's coming like this. He's looking and he's seeing me. Jenna's like, Jenna's like, oh, here comes dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're dead me. Yeah, yeah. She's walking back. You could see, I could just see in her mind. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're toast. Dude, you better go talk to dad. I'm going to sit here, you know. What happened? His judgment was clouded. And it was influenced by the wrong words. And what happened? He fell. Why did he fall? Because he went down the wrong way. Listen, he didn't ponder the path that he was taking. God said, listen, before you go that way, I want you to consider the path that you're on. I want you to examine. Let me ask you a question. What direction are you taking in life? Is it leading you toward God or away from God? Is it leading you to the cross or away from the cross? Are you desiring the richest of God's blessings in a heart of flesh or is your heart turned to stone? Because we need to consider all of our ways. Someone said once your life will be the sum total of the friends you keep in the books you read. In other words, influences everything. Influences everything. So what ways are you taking and who's around you on the path of your choosing? God tells us here to protect our hearts so that we must watch the path that we take. Secondly, we need to not just be considerate of our ways. We need to be critical. Critical. We need to judge them. Why? Can I say this? Because it's time in 2022 that judgment begin in the house of God. If we would judge ourselves, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, that we will not be judged. God says, I want you, because of the heart that I've given you, because of the spirit I've given you, because of the word I've given you, to be critical of yourself. You have the ability, I have the ability, to look at our life today under the microscope of the word of God, the pure, the clean, the powerful word of God, and say, God, my heart is not for you. And I'm sorry. And I want my heart to be soft. I want my heart to be sensitive. I don't want to have a hard heart. On a regular basis, the rhythm of the Christian life brings us into close proximity of one another as his word is open and preached. And it is here in the house of God what, uh, what, should be, uh, what should be and must be willing to be considered. We hear and consider our ways before the throne of grace. Paul said to Timothy, consider what I say. And the Lord give the understanding and all. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore what such a one in the spirit of meekness. God has already built into the church a powerful accountability for what? To make sure that our hearts are kept diligently. Hebrews 12, 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let me give you the third and last thing, and that is we've got to not only be considerate and critical, we need to be constant in the ways of the Lord. Will you turn over real quickly? You're in Proverbs. Turn over to Psalm 37 to your left just a little bit. 
And I want to read this, then I want to go and have some lunch with you, and I'd love to be able to discuss this with anybody at more length if you desire. Remember what Proverbs says, ponder the path of thy feet. Let thine eyes look right before thee, turn not to thy right hand nor to the left. Remember, when God begins a work in you at salvation, it's his work, and his working is around that soft heart of the flesh. And what he wants today is if you're not saved and you know it, he wants to take that hard heart of unbelief and give you a heart of flesh. He wants to start that work in you today. If you are saved, he wants to nurture that heart of flesh. He wants to help you get from out of those other kinds of hearts and get back to the heart for God. And I want you to hear his amazing and loving admonition in Psalm 37, verse 23, and how he accomplishes this. Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. David said, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. Look up here. You know what that means to me? That means a really that if I find in my heart today by the Spirit of God something that's not there or that shouldn't be there, that I can say, Lord, will you please forgive me? The Bible says he is ever merciful. I'm thankful for that. Because there's been many times in my life, hear me carefully, where what I see and hear is coming out and I know that's not of God. And I need to fix that. And I can go before God and say, Lord, you died for me. Will you please forgive me? My ways are not your ways, and I want to be ordered by you. The Bible says he is ever merciful, and he lendeth in his seed is blessed. Look at verse 27. So then he warns, depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment. That is right judgment, right decisions, and forsaketh not his saints. They, look, ah, watch, they are preserved forever. That, my friend, is how he encourages us to take his path. Verse 28, for the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not. Verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous, verse 30, speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. Why? Because of what's in. Look at verse 31, the law of his God is in his, what? Heart. And none of his steps shall slide. Let me ask you as we close, do you have a heart for God this morning? If not, do you remember when you did? Do you remember what it was life to be like to be soft and humble and surrendered? Perhaps this morning there's someone here who needs to find a place at this altar on your knees before God. There may be some sin that needs to be confessed and then forsaken because you know and God knows that your heart needs to be purged. Perhaps you've just neglected your heart and as you look at at the way you're going and the influences in your life, you realize your heart needs some attention. You need to put something else in there than what is going in there. I would encourage you today, would you find a place at this altar with a humble spirit before your father and say like David, show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. And will you help me to keep my heart with all diligence because I know what's coming out and it's not pretty. Heavenly Father, I come before you now and I want to say thank you for your word and I want to say thank you for meeting here with us today. Thank you for the opportunity again to preach your word. 
God, I want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to try to live it. Lord, you and I know what kind of person I am, and you know that by far I am not the greatest tool that you have. I am by far not perfect, and I'm not even where I'm supposed to be. I know that. But God, I do know this, that you know I want to have a heart for you so badly. And I want to be used by you. And I want to see you work in other people's lives. And Lord, I know that you can't do that if they're unsaved. You can't do that if they're living in sin. You can't do that if the of what, because of what may be in their heart. And today we come before you because we know and have learned that you're ever merciful. That you're ready to forgive, ready to save, ready to set free those who are in bondage to sin. There may be some here today that are in bondage to the lies of this world. And God, you're, you're reaching out to them right now, right where they sit. God, I pray they would reach back. Pray for every Christian here this morning, Lord, whose hearts are not perfect toward the Lord. Lord, will you, will you help us? Will you help them? Will you encourage them? Please, by the blood of Jesus Christ and in your precious name, will you please, please work in their heart.